I have a confession. There's a certain age you get to as a man where TV changes in your life. I used to love like action, you know what I mean? Chasing and shooting and you know what I mean? All that sort of things. But now you can't be a documentary, can you? I've got to that age where I think, oh, I'd rather watch something a bit more chilled. And, um, but not only that, I went and joined a new group. I've joined a history club from Minchin Hampton. You know how much history I know about Minchin Hampton? About that much. <laughs> so, but, um, but it is fun because uh, they, 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 they live, two, of the, two of the guys who's in the club live in my street, so they come running over when they find something. They came running over on Thursday and said, we found a photograph from the coronation. I went, it's not happened yet. <laughs> That's very clever. <laughs> and um, he said, no, no, from the last coronation. So we found a photograph from the Baptist church from the last coronation. And I thought, whoa. Unfortunately, I had a meeting that night, so I couldn't see it. But I, was, I thought they were, they were excited that, that, you, I mean, that they've got some of our history there as well. So maybe today, I think they're going to be in the high street a bit later on. Maybe you can go and check her out. Maybe you can see if there's a, that photograph from from when this church celebrated the coronation um, all those years back. Did you enjoy it? Hands up who watched it yesterday, the coronation? Anyone not watch it? <laughs> Excellent. So, I, I, I found it fascinating. I, I, I watched something the other week. It was, uh, was on um, uh, the, the stone of Schoon, the, the stone that belongs to us. The Scottish stone. The one that the English stole, okay? And I was watching it, and this is what he said. He said, the English decided to give it back, but they could borrow it when they, when they were going to uh, crown a, a royal. I was like, they stole it. Just give it back without conditions. So, um, but yeah, but it was there. I was thinking, maybe we should hire it out. Imagine how much money you could make on a stone. You know what I mean? Well, you can't have our stone unless it's, uh, we want the diamonds from the crown. Or they're not yours. Um, anyway, uh, what was the best bit from the coronation? The end. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> Excellent. What was the best bit? Anything else? Oh, the red arrows, yes. Uh, I was saying to someone in the, in the kitchen, and I said, imagine if one of them clipped another one and it fell off and hit the balcony as they're all standing there waving. I said, Prince Harry would be king. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only in my mind, yes. The music was good. Did you see them beforehand? They were playing that orchestra, playing it oh, yeah, joy. And not only that, the smiling, smiling as they were playing. Incredible. Ten <laughs> yeah. 
Never thought I would ever hear that. But she was holding it for a while, wasn't she? She, She's hours, yeah. Rowena. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It must, I mean, it must be so much stress. Uh, the eyes of the world watching you. And, uh, and um, I felt like Camilla was trying to balance that crown everywhere. She <laughs> was like, oh, please don't drop off. Yeah. And imagine if it did drop off. It's just so pressurized. I just, yeah. Yeah, so there's someone else? Yes. He did, he did, he did a great job. Yeah, good words. I said to Rachel, we were talking how well he read as well. You obviously memorized that in some ways because you had a lot of eye contact as well as looking down to his page. I thought it was obviously sinking in, hopefully. Right, you want to hear my bit of wisdom for you? Are you ready for this? We see bits of the coronation all the time from when, you know what I mean, from 1953. We've we seen that all the time. Not as much as what we see of the World Cup from 66. So in my mind, in about three or four World Cup time, if we take it on record from when the last coronation happened to this one happened, uh, it should be when England will win the next World Cup. Hopefully not. But um, 13 year gap, yes. Yeah, so. Scotland to win the World Cup. The last time we won the World Cup was, um, yeah, it'll be the same time as uh, the, next, the next time. I just love the pictures of, of the family standing there waving. That's the Prince Charles as a child at his mother's. And it, we've had that joy, haven't we, to see him grow up. Um, but it's not just about Prince Charles. Because that's not what I'm here today to talk about. You know, there was a, a Scandinavian preacher. And uh, he was preaching one day when he heard the news, as he was praying in the vestry, he heard the news that the king was coming to his service that morning. And so he thought, oh, wow. And so he got rid of his preaching notes and basically stood up and said how good the king was, how great, how virtuous, and you know what I mean, how, how glorious it is to have him here. And he thought at the end, he thought, I wonder if I'll get a, a reward from the king for being so, so nice to him. Well, he was right. About three weeks later, 
they carried in the biggest crate you've ever seen, and they brought it into his church. Oh, he was so excited. And as he prized open that, that chest and took away all the hay and things, inside was a life-size crucifixion. You thought, oh, I was expecting something a bit better, really. We've got loads of these around the church. Why would I need another thing like that? But there was a letter at the bottom of the crate, and it had the royal seals. You thought, oh, maybe he's put something in the letter. So he opens up the letter, and the letter really was instructions of what or where to place the crucifixion. He says he wants it on the west wall. And he says, I want it on the west wall, he says, so every time you preach, you know what king you need to preach about. Charles, it was great to see him there yesterday. But I felt the service wasn't just about him. It was about the God he serves. Lots of symbolism in there. And we need to remind ourselves that we have a God who is King of kings and Lord of lords. In Merrill's Abbey, there's a, an inscription on the wall from the mason who built the, the abbey. And it says, um, it says in Old English, something along the lines, in the end, remember your salvation. And I would love to get that as a tattoo on my arm. In the end, remember your salvation. The only problem is I might only get a little bit of a letter on my arm before I cowered out. That's why I've never gone for the tattoo. But I thought, if I'm going to have a tattoo, and I thought, I've always fancied having one, I thought, what a great tattoo. But our, our Lord, Jesus, he has a tattoo on his thigh, it says in Revelations, and it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Charles was, was born to be a king. He knew, imagine as soon as uh, he realized who he was, as soon as his parents could sort of communicate with him, imagine we're telling him that one day, one day you will be king. One day you'll go through what mom's going to go through. But he had to wait. I went to get medicine for Rachel yesterday. She had a headache. So I went to Tesco to the chemist there. 35 minutes I stood in a queue. That's because I love you. 35 minutes. <laughs> that wasn't even a queue. In t that wasn't like to go to the tills. That was to go and see the chemist. And the worst thing is, when I got to the front and said, oh, I want this, they went, uh, we don't have it. I wanted to scream and shout, but 35 minutes in a queue, that's like forever. But what about Charles? You know, people, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, people have been camping to get to the right places so they can see the parade. You know, they were there for a week. They started camping on Monday so they could see the, the procession from the best spot. Imagine that, a whole week of just waiting to see something that you could see better on the telly. Um, but they were there waiting to support things. 
or the king who waited, what, 75 years to be king. I want us to read. This is from um, John's Gospel. And I just want to read together. It says this, The Jewish leaders took Jesus to Caiaphas, to, to the palace of the Roman governor. But now it was early in the morning, and, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, would we not have handed him over to you? Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others make, uh, did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What, what is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the, the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came to the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is the truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews. Jesus had been waiting, waiting and waiting. It said for the right time to come. People had been from, from years, hundreds of years, been waiting for Jesus to, to arrive in this world, hoping and praying it would be through their time, watching, looking for signs. And the first sign it was shown, they missed. It wasn't people from, from the Jewish community who got it, but people from the East who came visiting, came and discovered, who is this who has been born King of the Jews? They found him as a boy in a little town in Bethlehem, and they brought their gifts, and they worshipped him. It says in the, in the Bible, no, it doesn't, I don't want to go there just yet. Um, it says in the Bible that, it, you mean, that they gathered, they wanted, they wanted to pay worship to this, this child who would one day be king, who would grow up. But you see, Jesus was always going to be king. He was born as a king. The wise men said, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Gabriel said to Mary, the Lord God will give you the throne of your father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom 
will never end. He was celebrated as, as king. Remember when he came into Jerusalem, all the people screamed and shouted, said, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He was accused as a king. Jesus' enemies, Pilate said, claims, claims, claims to be Christ the king. Pilate to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus to Pilate, you are right saying I am king. In fact, I am the, that is the reason why I was born. He was mocked as a king. They put a sign above his head saying, this is the king of the Jews. He was crucified as king. He was raised as king. And God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right-hand side in the heavenly realms. And it says one day he will return as king with his tattoo on his right leg saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one king, true king, only king. It wasn't always that way that we had kings. In, in, in Israel's history, we know that for a period of time, they didn't have kings. They, they had what we call prophets and judges, where they would rely on God to give wisdom and, and tell how things went. But then you looked around all the other nations, and they said, they've all got kings, and we haven't. And you'll find this in Samuel. So they went to him and went, we, we want a king. And this is what, what it says. So all the Israelites elders got together and went to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, listen, you are old now. And your sons don't follow in your footsteps. So appoint us a king to judge us like the other nations have. It seemed, a very, it seemed very bad to Samuel when, when they said, give us a king to judge us. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered Samuel, comply with these people's requests. Everything they ask of you, because they haven't rejected you, no. They rejected me as king over them. He was the king. But no, the people, they wanted their own king in their own way. There's a story from here, from the from the welcoming team. So they said one day it was wet outside and the welcoming team was welcoming people into church. And it was, as you say, that step outside gets slippy. And uh, so, so they were helping people up the step and welcoming people in. When someone comes wandering through the village on a horse and as they're coming up Tepbury Street, one of the welcoming team says, you know, you can park your horse here and come on in and join the service. And then they looked up and saw who it was and went, ma'am, if you want to, or not, as it was Princess Anne going by. Sometimes we don't recognize, um, recognize uh, people. The queen, who's probably the most famous of all the royals, often would not be recognized. There's a story, I don't, I don't know you've picked this story up, of, um, of her and her um, uh, protection officer. 
They were in Balmoral. It said her, and I think he was called Richard, Richard Griffin. And uh, the two had gone for a walk just out in, in, in the countryside when he spotted some tourists walking towards him. Now, the Queen's got a headscarf on, and she's with this uh, strapping sort of bodyguard. And, and they come over, and they, they get chatting. And they said, oh. And she said, where are you from? They said, oh, we're from America. We're here on holiday. Oh, she said, that's lovely. Which part of America? And she's chatting away to them. And they said, what about you? Where are you from? She goes, oh, I'm from London. And they said, oh. Uh, do you come up here often? She's got, got, a, got a holiday co- ho- home just over the hill, meaning Balmoral. And she went, oh, and how long have you been coming here? And she said, oh, 80 years I've been coming up here. And then they asked the question, if you've been coming here for 80 years, you must have bumped into the queen. <laughs> and as quick as a flash, she said, oh, me, no. But Dickie here, yes, he bumps into her all the time. <laughs> And he said, what's she like? And he said, oh, she can be funny. <laughs> and then she got some, uh, she, the, the tourist put out a camera and said to, said to, to Dickie, Richard said, could, could we take a picture with you? So they got the queen to take a picture <laughs> of them with their arms around Dickie. You know what I mean? The guy who's met the queen and taking a picture. And she went, oh, can I have one too? So then he took a picture. with the, And the queen, as they all wandered off, the queen turned to her bodyguard and says, I can't, I'd love to be a fly in the wall when they show this to their friends. And they all go, that's the queen. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's not recognized. Sometimes we don't recognize who we are. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't feel royal, do we? Anyone here born of royal blood? Everyone. Everyone, I like the tone. Well, that's true, isn't it? There was a, a story of, of Queen Victoria's uh, children. One day were, were working in, in, in a study, doing their, doing their uh, schoolwork. When it starts to snow... And you imagine, you know what it's like if you're at school and it starts to snow. Every face is at the window going, yes! And, and it's it snow piled down, piled down. And all day they're watching the snow. And then late in the afternoon, all the local kids are now playing in the snow. They've got sledges going, they're building snowmen, they're throwing snowballs at each other. And the two princes are looking at the window going, can, can we go out? And he's like, no, you can't go out with those. You, you, you can stay and we'll let you out a bit later on. But they were so frustrated that they said the first chance they got, they sneaked off. They got out of the palace, they climbed the fence, and they were having a great time with the local kids. Now, everything's going well until someone got a snowball, made it really hard and compact, and through the snowball, it missed its target and went through one of the palace's windows. Every local kid knows what to do when you smash a window. They fly in every direction. And these two princes have stood there going, where's everyone gone? When this big Scotch guard comes up and grabs the two children and takes them back to his little hut. And he looks at them very sternly. He goes, right, what's your name? And the little lad looks up and he goes, well, I'm, I'm Albert, Prince of Wales. And what about you? What's your name? He went, well, I'm George. I'm Duke of York. And he caught another local kid, and he went, and who are you? He went, I'm with my pals. I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. (laughs) But the truth is, two were princes. 
And here's the truth about us. For all those who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's you. And that's me. We are children of God. We're heirs, co-heirs of, of Christ. We are royal. You have royal blood in you. If you believe in Jesus, you decided to follow him, then you are royal. There's no difference between you and King Charles. You probably won't get paid as much. But in God's eyes, it does matter. You belong to him. Last thing I want to say is about um, that part of the service yesterday where um, we were invited to swear allegiance to the king. You remember that bit? And I sat and I debated to myself, going, am I going to do this or not? I mean, I'm Scottish, so that's very hard. That was a quick answer immediately. And then I had to think about it uh, and think about, would, would I swear allegiance? What would that mean for me to swear allegiance? Do, do I have allegiance just to him? Should I swear allegiance to him? Or should I only swear allegiance to God? And all these things are rattling through my head going, what should we do? Should I say, just say, God save the king? Or is what they advise? But I found that quite, quite challenging some of the verses that went through my head is this one. For the Lord's sake, yield to the people who have authority in this world, the king who is the highest authority, and the leaders who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. I mean, so we're commanded in the Bible. But it doesn't say swear allegiance. It says, you know what I mean, um, yield. What does it mean? And what does that mean for my relationship to, to Christ? Because we all know that every, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on the earth, that every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, I'm loyal to him, and I'll be respectful to the king. But Jesus had no servants, but yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet he was known as a healer. He had no army, but yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered this world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. And he was buried in a tomb, yet he still lives today. My loyalty is to my king. And my king is Jesus Christ. And if you're asking me to swear allegiance, I will swear allegiance to him. And if that means that I have to bow the knee, then yes, I will bow the knee. If that means I have to put his kingdom before my own life, then I will. If that means it's his will and not my will, then that's what this world's about. My allegiance is to him. There's a, a video I want to end, I want to show you before we end. They asked, uh, they were in a conference, 
And this man who was speaking at a conference spotted this old preacher and thought, wouldn't it be great to ask him to pray? So they asked him to pray, but they forgot he's an old preacher. And his prayer, it wasn't really a prayer, it was more a statement, is one of the best things I've ever heard. And I thought I'd let you hear it this morning. It's put over music, so you might need to listen a little bit careful, but it's, this is who our king is. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. 
That's my king. Amen. I'm expecting wonders. Let us pray together. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our king. And we come before you now to acknowledge that. And we belong to you. You are our leader, our supreme leader. And we'll follow you. We'll put you first in our lives. And on this day, we pray for King Charles. Father, we pray that he uh, will lead this country well. I pray that you make him uh, a, a man who is after your own heart. May he bring good changes to our country. So bless him, we pray. In your name. Amen.